Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about higher education and MFAs. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I found I find out the topic half an hour before because I'm an improviser and usually pretty good on my feet. All right, let's get into it. So, big question and controversy in recent years is if higher education is worth it. The rising costs and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that people get into getting degrees and, you know, graduate degrees. People are wondering, is it, is it worth it? Does it even matter anymore? Yeah. And it's such a tough question, too, because so much of it depends on what you end up wanting to do. Exactly. You know, if there's something specific, maybe a graduate degree or an advanced degree is worth it. If you're just looking to create a good life for your family, then usually certificates and stuff, um, trade schools and the like mm -hmm. can be can be even more worth it. So it's really this is this is a great topic, I think, because it's it's really kind of it's complex. And yeah. Yeah. And it gets even more complex when you're talking about the art fields, um, because a lot of jobs require degrees. Obviously, no. you need a law degree to be a lawyer. You need a medical degree to be a doctor. Um, but other things don't require degrees necessarily. And no. it can depend on what your goals are in your field. Um, no. For example, my husband works in tech. He's an IT analyst. And in that field right now, experience is worth a lot more than education. You do get paid more if you have a degree, but you can also get paid more by working and moving up and switching jobs and expanding your experience and your expertise and, and narrowing into a niche expertise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so for us as a you know, young family, it made more sense for him to drop school and and focus on gaining that experience. And, you know, he's just not as much of a formal school kind of person, whereas yeah. I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I could completely understand that dichotomy. I, I've got yeah. friends who would rather just do like a 16-week course on something, um, whereas mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you know, let me take some formal classes. Maybe they'll yeah. sit in on a workshop or just do things online, you know, go to Skillshare or Masterclass. Well, probably Skillshare. Skillshare tends to be the one that's more technically oriented and learn an entirely new skill. Whereas I'm like, oh, no, I got to take a class. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a tough one. You know, yeah. which one is better? Again, I, I just think it's I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. There's a higher median salary for people with bachelor's degrees and yeah. lower unemployment rates 
Yeah. But it's not as significant as it used to be, I think. And there's no guarantee that you're going to have a higher paying job if you have a degree. I think, you know, 50 years ago, that was little more guaranteed than it is now. Yeah. So let's talk about MFAs specifically, um, because we're both in an MFA program. We're actually doing the same program Mm -hmm. at Southern New Hampshire University. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have similar reasons for choosing to get our MFAs, um, but also some unique reasons to each of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's a very controversial thing in the writing community of, you know, there's, there's people who believe MFAs are just complete waste of money and time and everything you get from the MFA, you can get in the real world. Um, unless you're planning on teaching, in which case the MFA is required. And then there's others who believe that the experience and the honing of your craft that an MFA provides is absolutely worth it. Even if it doesn't result in getting paid better than someone who skipped the MFA. Yeah. I kind of lean more towards it's really useful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's absolutely correct that you, I, I, in the world of writing, you definitely do not have to have an MFA or even a bachelor's to be a, a successful writer. You do have to practice your craft. And yeah. for me, that's what the MFA is allowing me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, one of the first people you go to when you think about this kind of thing is Brandon Sanderson, because he has an MFA and he teaches at BYU a class a year. Mm-hmm. And his point is having that extra time without job pressure or or finances pressure necessarily to continue to hone your craft and to continue to get more comfortable being a writer and and practicing those things um, can be really, really helpful. So, you know, whereas I don't always think some of the classes that I take are the most um, productive, yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely think that the program as a whole has been a lot of help to me. Yeah. And let's go deeper into that because not all programs are the same. I think there's like about 250 MFA programs for creative writing in the U.S. I could be misquoting that for sure, but I believe it's around there. Um, And they're all different. You have ones that are more scholarly and literary focused Mm-hmm. And I think those are really intended to produce professors um, because it's it's the kind of writing that doesn't really make you money as a career. It's the kind of writing that people study and is read by college students and professors in college and um, the very uh, uh, inaccessible kind of writing mm-hmm. that's more difficult to read and maybe not even like pleasurable to read. And there's, you know, MFA programs that are entirely focused on that. And if your goal is to write genre fiction, you're not going to get what you need out of that program. Um, And then on the other side, there's programs like ours that are very focused on genre fiction and learning how to, be an author and the business of being an author 
with some stuff about like freelance and things that, you know, for people like you and I who aren't really interested in, in being a freelance editor or a freelance journalist, um, aren't as helpful, but yeah. it is, it, it's a more practical approach to an MFA and that it prepares the students, um, for a job, a real world job of being a writer, a content creator, rather than just a scholarly approach yeah. to creative writing. And then additionally, you have high residency, full residency programs where you're on campus and then low residency where you go a couple times a year or whatever. Um, and then no residency, which is what we're doing, the, a no yeah. residency program. Yeah. It, which I've got to be honest with you, it fit into my life so much better than any oh, yeah. low residency would have. Um, oh, yeah. I was actually I was actually looking at some schools here in North Carolina for their MFA programs, and um, you know, to be honest with you, SNHU just kind of fit right into my situation. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, for anybody out there, uh, I'm actually um, using veterans benefits to be able to get my master's. And so the VA is helping out so, so much. And I'm so incredibly grateful for it. But I was literally able to just go from the, that, that handful of bachelor classes or undergrad classes that I took in the creative writing field at this university I was able to just go roll right into the master's program immediately. Mm -hmm. Now I went into that bachelor's program um, just to take writing courses because I already had my bachelor's. Um, I got that in like 2015 in business administration, something nice and practical, and I couldn't find work in it for a couple of years. So, um, you know, had I gotten an, an art degree, there's actually a really good chance I would have been, um, employed in my field much, much faster. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, you just really kind of never know what it's, what's going to happen. And, and you really need to, especially in the world of writing, I think you need to make your own, uh, opportunities. Absolutely. And I think what you said about getting a job in the field sooner, if you'd gone for art, I think people make fun of English degrees a lot, but mm -hmm. the reality is they're extremely versatile. There's yeah. so many different industries you can get into with an English degree. I mean, communication skills are just very valuable in the working yeah. in the working industry. And something to keep in mind with MFAs is when everyone's trying to measure the success of an MFA, it's really hard to quantify because there's so many different careers that people go into with an MFA. Yeah. And it's hard to determine, was this a, what they, you know, were intending to, to get into? Is this a success of the MFA or is this something they settled for because they couldn't get a tenure track position yeah. as a professor or they didn't get that book deal that they wanted? Yeah. So then let's, let's get into the different goals um, mm -hmm. that you might have if you're thinking and considering of an, an MFA or um, you know, totally rejecting the idea of an MFA, which is completely valid. Um, so let's start with why we decided yeah. to go for an MFA. 
um, you talked a little bit about, you know, honing your craft and, and having an environment where you can really focus on it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the big thing. And, um, again, because I was able to use some veterans benefits, it, it, it also made financial sense at the same time. Mm-hmm. At one point there was a, uh, there was a part of me that was wondering if I should just do a bunch of workshops and, and keep writing. And while I still do a lot of that on the side, um, you know, I, I follow YouTube video people, um, or I guess author tube who talk about the, the mechanics of writing all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So in a lot of ways, my MFA is kind of the beginning of my process of learning. Um, but it, it, it literally just made sense all around, uh, for me to do it. Yeah. And I, I went back and forth. I'd actually never considered an MFA before. There Mm -hmm. was one point where, you know, like 10 years ago, I wanted to get a PhD. Um, but I wanted to, to, study and teach sonnets and Italian and the original Italian sonnets, very different from where I ended up. Um, And there's lots of reasons for that. But once I decided to finish my degree in creative writing, I didn't really have an intention to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. But I had a professor give me feedback on an essay, basically saying, you sound like a master's student. And I, I see you getting your master's. And that's when it started like percolating, mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I could do this. And because I was able to finish my degree while having two kids, and I actually had a foster daughter at the same time as well. So three mm-hmm. kids and during COVID and all of these things happening, um, I thought, okay, maybe I can do grad school too. Mm-hmm. And it, and for me, it came down to the fact that I still had that passion for teaching someday. Mm-hmm. And the MFA would allow me to do that because the MFA is a terminal degree. For those who don't know, it's yeah. the highest fine arts degree that you can get. So an MFA allows you to teach composition and creative writing. There are some people who think that that's not super true anymore, that you kind of have to have the MFA and a PhD to get on tenured track and it is super competitive um the association of writers and writing programs reports that every year there's three to four thousand new mfa grads competing for only about a hundred tenure track creative writing positions but that's for those who want to be doing this like teaching full-time for me, I I want to do some teaching, but I want to write books as well. Yeah. And I want to write genre fiction and make a career out of that. So yeah. I'm fine being an adjunct professor. I'm fine with teaching comp um, and, you know, the occasional creative writing class that I can, can get assigned to. Um, a lot of writers are, af- creative writers are afraid of teaching comp. They don't want to do it, but I'm totally fine teaching comp. So for me, getting the MFA and and that being my terminal degree just made sense with my own personal yeah. goals. What What's interesting to me is what you just described. You know, so many graduates going after you know one thirtieth of the of the jobs available. That's academics in general. Yeah. You know, I, I have a I have a few friends who have doctorates and you know, 
I think only one of them is teaching now. The rest of them are working for private industry. And the mm -hmm. one who's teaching ended up having to take a position a few hundred miles away from where he really wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough in general. So, dear mm -hmm. listener, if you are thinking right now, hey, I really want to teach, go for it. Do it. Ha please do have a little bit of a, more of a backup plan, though. Yeah. In that case, actually, maybe the class that we like to that I like to complain about might have actually been more worthwhile. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, for the definitely. backup plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, be ready to do some freelance work or something. Um, you know, whatever it takes to kind of pay the bills. But just understand that it you may never actually break into a tenure track mm -hmm. position. Um, definitely not immediately out of school. Mm -hmm. I think that those thousands of MFA grads thinking that they're going to get on a tenure track right out of the MFA, unless they went to a very prestigious program, that is very unlikely. You're going to start mm -hmm. with adjunct positions and you'll just yeah. have to get experience before someone's going to hire you for a tenure track. Yeah. Now, you know, for those people who are fortunate enough to be able to go through and get a an advanced degree from an Ivy League school, we've seen across the board that they're, you know, they have advantages everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, not mm -hmm. not that big of a shock. Um, I, I was just going to make a point, um, you know, a long time ago, one of my fine art professors, um, obviously not writing in this case, but drawing and composition, mm -hmm. uh, art composition, I guess. He was pointing out that, you know, typically, like if you want to teach at a community college, you need a master's. If you want to teach at a university, and this is for fine artists, um, sculptors, painters, etc., then you have to both have your master's, your MFA, and be a showing artist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in some cases, I would imagine actually having published some books and then going in and saying, hey, you know, I, I'm would really like to teach a, a class a year, much like Brandon does. Yeah. Um, that might actually work out pretty well. Um, yeah. But again, no guarantee because I no have no idea. <laughs> I mean, if you're Brandon Sanderson, that's that's guaranteed, right? Like, I'm sure <laughs> if if he had approached BYU and said, hey, I want to teach a creative class one once a term, they would have been like, yes, please. <laughs> Like yeah. you don't turn down Brandon Sanderson who wants wanting to teach you a creative class. Well, um, but but keep in mind that Brandon wasn't really Brandon when he got that class. Um, you know, that's when he, true. When, when although the offer was made, right? That's true. But he was already pretty prominent in the Mormon community. Yes. So he still would have been quite the commodity for yeah. BYU. Um, yeah. But yeah, point being that being published and and having some success in publishing will absolutely get you in the door with much higher likelihood. Yeah. Not necessarily get you the job, it, it's one of those, but it could open doors. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things like, um, you know, I, I always think it, it's not money that makes the world go round. It's credibility that makes the world go round. You know, you can do anything you have the credibility for, I guess. And mm -hmm. he had already been building that credibility for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if you want to get anything done in life and that deals with having to deal with other people, then build the credibility in mm -hmm. your in your field and 
you're going to do a lot better. And that's true with publishing, too. It's very rare for your first book, your debut, to be a smashing success. You have yeah. to develop credibility with your fans. And then yeah. they'll tell your friends about you and their friends will tell their friends. And mm -hmm. that's how you get new readers is through that word of mouth. So you have to establish credibility and produce yeah. quality work consistently in yeah. order for success to happen. It's overnight success is not a thing. No, no, it's it. Most of the time it's a, you know, a 10 year overnight success. Yeah. You know, we're not seeing the 10 years beforehand. So somebody publishes a first novel and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Two years later, their second novel comes out or the second in that series. And we're like, what, what happened? Yeah. Well, the first one, they had five, 10, 15 years to work mm -hmm. on the second one. They did not. Yeah. Or you'll find, so, you know, a whole series will get discovered when the author's halfway through writing it. And it wasn't popular when the first one came out or when the second mm -hmm. one came out. But as they keep producing that quality work, people start talking about it. And then it blows up when, like, the first three or four books are already out. Um, yeah. And, and then people in the future think, oh, yeah, they were, that was the first series they ever wrote. And it was a, a hit. Like, they were a smashing success from their debut. And that's not the case. It still took time. No. Yeah, it's... uh kind of interesting how that stuff works out but i mean we could we could probably spend entire episodes on on dealing with like market and yeah how that stuff kind of works and mm -hmm. you know that might be kind of interesting especially from a fan perspective but mm -hmm. yeah without diving too far into that everything js just said is absolutely true and again you know if if your goal is to be that person you have to expect that things are going to take longer. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's the world of business. They say um, everything's going to take twice as long as you think and be twice as expensive as you think. Yeah, it's true. Okay, there was something that we were talking about earlier that um, had me thinking um, about prestige and the... Uh, focus on prestige in higher education and with mfas that's absolutely the case it follows that pattern of you know people brag about what school their kids got into and you know an ivy league is like this stamp of societal approval on your intelligence yeah. or something um and mfas have the same deal there's there's programs that are considered very prestigious right and that might get you in the door easier for a 10-year track you know creative writing education side of things but it means absolutely nothing when you're selling books or selling your writing yeah. absolutely nothing and it might not even be the program that you need. Most of the really prestigious ones are focused on that literary, academic, very scholarly, creative writing, not the marketable genre fiction writing. And it, it's ridiculous to me. It's just a continuation of the problem where genre fiction is looked at as lesser than the literary and more critical writing. 
and it's just not the case it it takes just as much skill for the you know quality right but you know something like the lord of the rings takes just as much skill as oh what's a famous literary book that people have read grapes of wrath grapes of wrath there you go yeah yeah it's just as much skill just as much intelligence and honestly you can get just as much like deep stuff from it too maybe even more because it's more accessible and i i think that the whole prestige idea of higher education is just this lie that society tells us to to keep the underprivileged down and the privileged higher i I, i'm not entirely sure i agree with that a hundred percent or at least not the motive um i Mm. do think it's there but yeah you know, I, I don't know that it's them trying to say, hey, you know, we're so much better or anything. I think that might be a natural outcome of being human and going to an amazing course. But, you know, I I, I don't know. We, we just we definitely have encountered the fact that in the writing world, somebody who goes who graduates from the Iowa Writers Workshop or something is going to be it is probably going to be a really solid writer to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, quote unquote, to begin with at the beginning of their career. Um, and they're going to be able to consistently put out some high quality stuff mm-hmm. typically. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's not to say that there isn't merit involved. There obviously is merit involved. Yeah. Um, I just, don't think that it needs to be as exclusive as some of these things are. Um, obviously, there has to be some exclusivity when you have a limited amount of, of slots or, or room or space. But the idea of, you know, what it comes down to t- for, for me is that if you didn't get into your dream school, but you did get into a school that will give you what you need education wise, there's no reason to feel like you failed somehow. Um, The the prestige factor isn't as important as it feels it is when you're in that space where you're applying and you're dreaming of the school that you're going to attend. I, you know, I started my education at a fairly competitive, prestigious university and it it wasn't right. It Mm -hmm. didn't have the right values for me. It didn't support me and my education with the life circumstances that I had. And I ended up dropping out and then finished my degree at SNHU. Who, and SNHU's mission is all about making higher education accessible to all different kinds of people. It may not be the most prestigious school, but it's the school that gave me what I needed for my education. And yeah. that's, the, in my opinion, the most important thing. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. You know, uh, all things else being equal, you you kind of want to go to the best university you can get into or the best school you can get into. But at mm-hmm. the same time, all other things are very, very rarely equal. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody is out there thinking, well, maybe I should get a higher degree because of these solid reasons, 
find something that's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I like about SNHU is the fact that we have shortened semesters mm-hmm. or short, shortened sessions. So they're not 16 or 20 weeks or anything. They're 10 weeks right now for the master's mm-hmm. program, eight weeks for the, the, uh, the undergrad stuff. And that just works really, really yeah. well for my attention span, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, and that two know. classes is full time. So it's yeah, it's like a, a traditional university where you have a spring and summer term that are shorter, um, yeah. but less classes equals full time. And it's it's a lot more dense. That's essentially how they do it, but even more condensed and um, not condensed, but, um, compact. compact. Yeah. 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 It, we're, we're constantly moving. Mm-hmm. Like there's very little downtime to say, oh, well, this is going to be a really slack couple of weeks or anything. Uh, there's nope. just no such thing in this program. Nope. But you're only doing two classes at a time, which I, I've yeah. found works really well for, for me as well. Yeah. Being able to focus on those two rather than spreading myself thin on four, um, just helps so much. It just helps my mm-hmm. my ability to actually get anything done and to stay focused on the courses. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so to wrap up, I mean, it just depends on what your goals are, what you want to do with your career. If you want to write books and find people in the writing community to workshop with and I, that's good to do even if you are getting an MFA but if if that's the only way that you want to work on your craft that works it's a tried and true method and you can absolutely be successful without an MFA but if yeah. you love school <laughs> or you're a glutton for punishment um or if you just want more structure in honing yeah. your craft, an MFA can be a really good option. Well, that's our time for today. We've been your hosts, Ludlow Adams. And J.S. Garrity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.